Hi, I'm Annette Richmond. Thanks for joining me for the Smarter Business Moves podcast. If content marketing is part of your growth strategy, head over to my new podcast, Content Marketing School, and visit contentmarketingschoolonline.com for resources. Now let's get on with the show. Richmond, your host for the Smarter Career Moves podcast. If you're on Clubhouse, you can also find me on the Smarter Career Moves Club. I am um, Annette Richmond, um, as you you know probably know. And this is my first uh, session with LinkedIn Live, so I'm very excited to be here. Uh, my congratulations! Oh, thank you. So uh, my business is uh, Career Intelligence, Resume Writing, and Career Services, and I am a certified master resume writer. So, Lisa, if you can just tell us a little bit about you and your um, amazing business. Thank you, Annette, for asking me. I'm Lisa Rangel. Uh, my company is Chameleon Resumes. We are an executive resume writing company. And like you, Annette, I was a former recruiter that in the last downturn, 2009, started a resume writing business. And it's now been a good 12 years running. So, and uh, so yeah, I'm honored to be here, honored to be your first guest, honored to support you. This is really fabulous. So thank you so much. Okay, so very cool. Um, Lisa and I are going to kind of be here chatting like we do, you know, often. And um, if you have any comments or questions, please put them in the comments on the uh, website. I'm sorry, on LinkedIn, and I will hopefully see them and be able to, we can respond to them. So I thought it'd be a nice thing to talk about the biggest uh sort of job search mistakes that people make because there are so many things that they do wrong every day. Uh, and maybe we can give some advice on how to correct them. And the one that always comes to mind first to me, because I actually get, uh, I get emails from people who send me their resume and they say, oh, look at my resume. I'm not getting any ads. I'm, a, I'm responding to like 50 ads a day and I'm just not getting anywhere. Right. And so, you know, my thought is that's like throwing spaghetti up against the wall and making it, trying to hope that it sticks somewhere. So um, please share your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I think this is a really a, a great time to do it, to do this topic on Friday afternoon, because everybody's going to, you know, job seekers are going to spend their weekend after working all week um, uh, to to look for the weekend, you know, and if it's someone who maybe took some breaks over the week, during the week, they're going to spend their weekend, you know, hustling to try to get a jump on the next week. So this is perfect timing. And, you know, I am often emailed like you, like many of us in this business, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm frustrated, I'm sending my resume, I've had it written before, I've had my, you know, college career center help me, um, you know, and I, and I'm still feeling like I'm not getting it right, you know, or outplacement help me. I'm still feeling like I'm not getting it right. And I actually had someone send me three versions that three different resources did for her this week. And, you know, she could tell she was just pained by the frustration that she was experiencing. And when I looked at all three, one of the biggest mistakes that I saw in the resume was each of them did not really have achievements, you know, and she had a an enterprise sales type background and there was no numeric measurement there was it was very task focused and you know in all three and i was like you kind of you know you need to bring out how well you have done your job so far and especially in sales you need to have some numeric measurement you know whether it's the revenue whether it's the profit increase the revenue increase the number of clients increase the business line expansion like whatever however you know you did a good job that needs to be articulated. And, um, you know, and another mistake that I saw in each of her resumes, it wasn't even in just one, was um, she had professional summary as the heading instead of the title of the job. You know, so that, that, that section right under their name, 
right under the applicant or the candidate's name, job seeker's name, is to me and you, I know we all talk about this, right? It's prime resume real estate. And she had professional summary, you know, there. And and it was disheartening because, you know, I, I wrote back in an email to her just explaining that you're not leading the reader to what you want to do. You're ma- you're making them do the work and like, you're, you know, you're trying to figure it out. You're leading it to them to figure it out. And most of them, most recruiters aren't going to take the time to figure it out. So, you know, I'd say those are just two mistakes I even saw this week, but I see often are just task-driven documents that really should be achievement-driven documents. And then in the spirit of trying to be general and, and broad, there's no specific title at the top of the resume outlining what they want to do. And, you know, when you're trying to be general and broad, so you appeal to many things, you ultimately appeal to nothing, as you know, right? So yeah. So those are just two, you know, not so much the job search, but at least the resume side of it. We can, you know, I, I digressed a bit. We can go on to the job search. No, no, I, I think that's great. And even this week, I'm sure you've seen some stuff this week too. Well, I, I see basically two two types of resumes. Either they are people who are operational, which it shouldn't be someone in marketing or something where, you know, they're not necessarily generating revenue and they're very task focused. I do this, I do that, I've done this, right. but there are no metrics. And the flip side of that is I see resumes from these dynamic salespeople and all they have are numbers. So they have right. all these numbers, but they don't have any story about it. So if you're saying that, you know, you in, you know, your, your quota, you know, 125% of your quota and you generated blah, blah, blah. Does that, is that because of what you're doing or is that just because you have a really hot product that's easy to sell? And, you know, I always think of, I, I have one client I've worked with a couple of times and one of the things that he did early on in his career um, was he was selling, he was an enterprise sale, um, selling um, sort of phone services. And right. he would go to new areas just that were just being developed in town and knock on the doors of people that were just moving in and say, hey, you know, can I help you with this? So it's it's things like that, that, that show, you know, what this person is bringing. You know, I always saw that as being a real go-getter. You know, you're not right. just sitting on the phone. You're really, really out there. So um, that's that's really what what I see. Um, I see as well, well. Although nowadays, being on the phone and selling is yeah, right. Like you, you really know your craft if you can sell complicated or or difficult things over the phone because that's how we're all selling, right? So yeah, I know. <laughs> so I think I that that's a whole nother skill set nowadays, right? So you know, you think you think about everything. Um there's there's really at this point there there is nowhere there's nowhere to go. There's no live networking or anything. But right. you know, hopefully hopefully things are well things are I think moving in the right direction and hopefully And we have LinkedIn Live. So And we know. have LinkedIn Live. Yeah. <laughs> LinkedIn Live. So so we get to spend some time together. So uh, another thing, and I, I'm, I, I think you'll agree with me, is that people just don't prep for job interviews. And one of the problems, um, you know, interviews now, of course, are virtual. If, you know, you're going in if you're one of the top two candidates, you may be going right. in to see somebody in person. Right. But, you know, my feeling is they're going to kind of stay that way, uh, most with a lot of the interviews being done. Um remotely when I was recruiting and I only did it for, you know, a few years, uh, seven years ago, they were already moving to uh, virtual interviews, even for local candidates, because it just right. saved everybody so much time. Yeah. And I, um, it, it seems sometimes that people just, they think of a, a virtual interview as being just, oh, it's just a screening interview. So, and do you find that as well? You know, I mean, it, it definitely, I think things have definitely become a little bit more lax in general. Um, and I think it's important, you know, despite people experiencing, you know, like pan- pandemic fatigue and, and being exhausted and that sort of thing. So at least when it comes to a job interview, for the most part, do your best to put your corporate front back on, you know, to the best of your ability. Um, and But, you know, I know it's challenging, but I do see that there is a bit of, of, a bit more relaxed of an, of an approach than say maybe, you know, pre-pandemic, obviously. But I find that, um, you know, when we prepared for interviews, right, when we recruited, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 
if you looked on the internet, that was like considered the extra effort because people weren't really looking on the internet that much, you know, then. And now that's like a given, right? So it, it's not about like what you can find online and, and show that you did your research. It's really about having the information at your fingertips and displaying it in a critical thinking type of manner that you've digested it and, you know, um, apply it to maybe a conversation or a situation. And I think that is hard to prepare for, right? Because you're really thinking on your feet, but you prepare by doing the research, right? So, so at least you can maybe have a, a moment of critical thinking <laughs> displayed on the interview. <laughs> but um, that's, I think, where people can set themselves apart is when there's original ideas on the interview. And, and that only comes from doing some research, you know? Right, right. No, no, I agree with you. But part of the thing I think is is important about the research also is, you know, when you're at the end of the interview and they say, do you have any questions? You don't want to ask them questions that you could have found out by looking on their website. Yeah. So, oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah. You know, Absolutely. I I when I when I was recruiting and I was just, the you know, the screener, I was continuing. Yeah. So I was just screening and I would always ask the candidate because they knew the company before, you know, we, we spoke. And they'd say, you know, do you know anything about the company? And some people would be like, yeah, you know, I was looking at them online and I found all these cool things that blah, 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 blah. And then there's some people like, no, not really. And I'm like, okay. Um, so when I wrote up my little sheet that I sent with the resume, the people that were really excited to work there, I'd say, yeah, this person told me da, 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 da. And the other people was just nothing. So, you know, I just... My thought is is being excited that it, the re employers want to know that you want to work there. Yeah, and people, yeah, I mean, people want the enthusiasm of where they. Of, but you know, that enthusiasm also, I think, needs to be returned right by employers. Like it needs to. I, I think I try to suggest to people going into and go into the interview as if you're you're equals. You know, there shouldn't be this like you know, we're evaluating you or subserviency kind of vibe or anything like that, right? It's It really is a meeting of two equals that are determining if this is a good match. And, you know, if a candidate isn't feeling that on the other side as well, you know, they have decisions to make too. They may decide not to go further or it's not going to be their place or, you know, even if they really need the job, they may decide it's not worth it, right? So I think showing enthusiasm is key and it, and it needs to happen on both sides. Right. I think. No, I, I agree. I, I, I had a, a candidate that the, the employer loved pull themselves out because they said, you know what, they just, they didn't have any answers for me. Yeah. And, um, so I, I'm sure you had that experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like I think if, um, if candidates, and it's by no means candidate blaming in any way, but like if candidates can equally take responsibility for their happiness at a job, and if they see red flags, not take it, they've avoided, you know, they may have dodged the bullet, so to speak, right? So, um, and I, I think sometimes there's a vibe that the company will make me happy, or, you know, the company, the employer should make me happy. And don't get me wrong, employers have a big responsibility to take good care of their employees. Um, but it, but it also, it goes both ways, you know, like we have to, as candidates be responsible for our own happiness, you know, take, only accept what we know is going to make us happy and, um, and set boundaries and that sort of thing. And I think if you do that through the interview process, you, you're essentially setting up that relationship that if it is going to go forward, it's got more of a chance to succeed. Oh, oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the worst job I ever had in my life when I went in for the job interview, you know, I was trying to get into uh, public relations and I, I was able to get this job, but the interview was terrible. The interviewer was rude and, you know, and I, my gut told me, no, this is not for you. But there I went when I was offered the job and it's the only job in my life. I was there six weeks. It was, I'll never forget this. It was the day, the day before Thanksgiving. And I called up and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not coming in today. And they said, oh, okay. We've well, been on Friday. I'm like, no, I'm not ever coming back. I swear <laughs> to God, I did that. And it's a terrible thing to admit, but um, you know, what, so what are some ways that, that you would recommend that people can, you know, during the interview sort of get a feel for the employer? That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, 
I like to ask the interviewer, you know, why they like, why they like working there, you know, and if they've been there a while, I'll, I'll suggest candidates ask, or I'll ask, you know, what made them stay or how, how has the company changed over the years? And if they just joined, you know, what made them join? How is it different from their previous employer? Um, you know, what were they surprised by? You know, um, that's actually a question I always like to ask in general, whether I'm hiring a vendor or, you know, um, or I'll, I'll coach clients to ask the question too. Like if, if they're interviewing people, um, it, it's, we all have quirks and we all have work patterns and work styles. So I'll be, I'll say like, you know, so, you know, assuming I, we hire you or assuming you, you join us, you know, we're going to be working together. What are some, you know, quirks or work styles that you have that I'm going to figure out pretty quickly. I'll tell you mine, you know, and, and I'll offer mine up, you know, or a version of them. Cause I probably got a few. Right. So, um, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, it's nothing disparaging or it's not looking to catch anybody in a gotcha or, you know, but everybody's got their little quirks, right. That they do, um, you know, whether it's how they set deadlines or how they get things done early. And it's not for the Pollyanna answers either, but it's really it's an opportunity to one, see if somebody is going to be realistic with you and, and vulnerable with you. And, and two, if that quirk really is something that you guys know that once you, once I say mine and they say theirs, isn't going to match, maybe we just dodged a bullet there. Right. So, um, you know, some people are really pumped up by doing things the day before, and that's not necessarily always viewed as a bad thing sometimes. And so, especially in like creative circles and some people can't handle working like that. So, you know, and, and that's just one a myriad of examples that people might say, but, you know, so it's, I think when you start to, find out how people work, you know, um, and ask about work styles and communication styles and, and stuff like that and get vibes as to how, why people stay or why people joined or how they see things changed or, you know, things like that. Um, that's one way to, to get some in indication of how the day-to-day -day culture works. What you about know, you? No, I, I was going to say that, um, it, it, it is it is so difficult and there definitely are different um, sort of speeds that that companies run on. Right. Um, I worked for a magazine. Everything was like, go, 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 go deadline all the time. I worked for a nonprofit and, you know, it was a wonderful place that did great work. But I had somebody tell me once there's nothing that can't be done tomorrow. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? No, of course, it's got to be done today. And, um, you know, I think there's also people and maybe I. It's, it's good to judge our, you know, look at ourselves. Some people go in and they think, okay, I'm looking around. Um, what can we do? What can we do better? Right. And then other people, some companies are, are like that too. And are always encouraging um, innovation and there's no, you know, if you do it and you, and you fail, that's fine because you're trying. And some companies have the attitude that if it's not broken, don't fix it. So how can you figure out what a what a company, you know, kind of what their rhythm is before you get there? Do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think as you start to ask about, you know, challenges that they're experiencing or opportunities that lie before them, you know, ask about maybe how the planning would work around things like that. Or, um, you know, if they've recently launched something, like say you've done your research and you saw that they recently launched a new product, like, or a new service or they did an integration or something to that effect, you might say like, you know, how did the planning, you know, transpire for something like that? What are the first steps? If, if you're going to be in a planning role, you know, who would you expect me to reach out to first and how, what plan are you expecting? You know, how, how enumerated do you think the plan, are you going to, are you expecting the plan to be? Um, you know, am I going to be dealing with individual managers for each aspect, aspect of the plan is, does it just go to one person and they're doing it? Like you just start to get a, and I'm being very general, obviously, but you know, you just start to get a feel for the answers, you know, based on just trying to find out how things have gone and past initiatives, and then maybe how things will go with expectations that are being discussed about in the job. And, you know, based on the answers of, well, you know, unless they bring it up, you probably won't have to do that versus like you need to take initiative and drive this. Like you'll be able to get a sense of, you know, who is a little bit more laid back, who is a little bit more 
you know, proactive and assertive and, and, and determine which culture is best for you. Right. And then somewhere in between yeah, there's yeah. others. So, so there's, when we're talking about interviews, I, I think at the close of the interview, um, one of the mis- one of the mistakes people make, I made this myself, is you say, okay, you know, um, you might ask for next steps. I think if you talk to any career professional, they'll say, right. before you're leaving, ask what are the next steps to, you know, to get the interview, um, um, you know, for, for the next interview. But I heard somebody the other day say, uh, I heard this actually a couple of times in the last couple of days, that before you leave, or you know, maybe not the last question, that you say to the interviewer, um, you know, is there is there anything that you know I haven't addressed? Is there any? Do you have any concerns or any reservations about me moving forward? So, is that something that you know I hadn't really um, heard that exact approach before? You know, to sort of be, I guess, assertive. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Right. I mean, I think I've heard that before. Um, I think you have to determine, like, I think you have to assess the situation, you know? Um, If, I think to ask that question, you have to be pretty confident that it went well. Um, And, and, and in a, you know, in a, in a factual, you know, objective manner, not just, you know, hubris, <laughs> um, not just from, from hubris, of right. but because I think if you do something like that and you've done well, it could be somewhat of an assumptive close. And if, if they do bring up a concern or two, it could be a sign that they're actually really thinking about you as a candidate because they just want to work out some smaller details. Right. I think, I think objections come up when people are interested typically. If you haven't done well or you're genuinely objectively speaking feeling like is you're not the choice, I think asking something like that could reinforce the fact that you're off the mark. Cuz it could display that your judgment is off that you think you should be moving forward when clearly this didn't go well. And so I think asking better questions that can put you in a better light and be reconsidered or at least remain on the, on the block of consideration is going to be a better approach. So I think it just depends, Um, you know, because on the flip side, if you ask them, if you did do well and you ask something like that and you don't deliver it properly, you can also kill your chances too. If you come across too much, uh, too assumptive, you know, and and not humble. So yeah. you really got to nail that if you're going to do it, not only in your delivery, but in the situation. Yeah. And I don't think that's like a blanket thing that everybody should use. You know, if somebody has a crazy, bold personality and they ask that, yeah. it could yeah. almost reinforce that they're, you know, a little bit, there's too much bravado. Right. And, and if somebody is a bit more subtle in their approach, a little bit more pensive and it went well and they ask that, it could come across more like a consultative, a, a consultative cell, right? So yeah. it, it just it, there's so many moving parts to something like that that I wouldn't necessarily say everybody should ask that. No, I, <laughs> right? I, I agree with but, you. I, I agree with you um, because it could backfire. It, it's um, kind of it's kind of like signing the the letter. You know, I'll call you next week. Well, if you're not going right. to call them next week, don't write that you're going to call them next week. And right. uh, one of the things that I have suggested to to clients when you, you know, when you send that thank you note, which, you know, nobody, well, a lot of most people don't do, but, but when you send that, you know, if you think there were any concerns, you can reinforce and resell yourself, yeah. you know, in that thank you note, it's just another, another opportunity to, um, to sell yourself. Um, so, so one, um, another thing that, and I, I really have to, just go with your expertise because this is not an area that I work with my clients at all. And I, I'm sure you do. It's a question of salary negotiation. Now, right now um, I've read surveys that say, you know, the employers expect it, but most people don't do it. The people that do ask, you know, trying to negotiate um, they, you know, they can often get a, a higher wage. You know, I had that happen to me. I didn't, ask for more. I didn't get any more. Somebody else was hired from the same job later and told me, well, I wanted more and they gave it to me. So 
Right. How can people um, approach that? Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think first it's just doing your homework too. Um, you know, seeing what positions are paying in your area and, um, you know, but determining if your skill set is above, you know, warrants the above market rate or, or, or not. And then, you know, your confidence in being able to deliver allows you to ask, I think, too. If you know you're going to do the job and you know you're going to, um, you know, work the hours, do the delivery of what's expected above and beyond, and then then ask, you know, um, if you feel, I mean, rarely, but it does happen. If you ask and an offer is rescinded, you have to wonder, you know, would conversations be handled like that if you were there being an employee, right? Like where it's this very absolute sort of, <laughs> that's not really a word, but you Good get the point. vibe. But, you know, Good if point. it's a very absolute type of environment, you know, take it or leave it. You know, if, if you, sometimes people are afraid to ask, it's like, well, what if they, they are unhappy with me or what if they rescind the offer? It's like, well, you clearly need to evaluate if you can afford the offer to be rescinded, right? So um, the other thing too is, you have to know your 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 salary stats because if you're being offered something that is at or above market rate, you also may not need to ask, and then, you know, just accept happily. Like, this is obviously a very rare situation, but we literally had someone a few years ago, um, and he was a, a tech person with some crazy obscure and demand skill, and. You know, he literally got an offer 60% higher than he expected. Wow. You know, and we had prepped him before that, you know, because he was asking for a pretty high amount. And we said, look, if you get what you need, just just say yes. Like, you know, people, the employer needs to feel good too, right? About yeah, making right. the offer, if they're making a good offer, right? So, you know, if you are getting a good offer and it is, at or way beyond you ever thought you would get, it's okay to say yes. <laughs> I think so. Now, and luckily he just went, that's great. <laughs> I'm like, fine, you know, like, can you imagine getting a 60%, a number 60% higher than your already high number in your head and then you start negotiating? Like they'd probably no, kick no, no, curb, no, right? No. So, so I think, but you know, for, for and that, obviously that's not necessarily who we're talking about, but you have to know if what you're getting is warranting a negotiation. I think blanketly just negotiating sometimes could be in bad taste if it's already a good offer. Yeah, no, no, no. I hear you. And and it, I, I agree, it's so important to do that research because, you know, uh, employers, they have a range and the person right. who hits everything is getting the higher end and, you know. Um, but one thing I found uh, happened to me a couple of times where, you know, the candidate was, it was a really good candidate, but not, um, and underpaid. Yeah. And the, uh, often, you know, as you, today, everybody knows that there's, I think it's 21 states now where people cannot be asked uh, right. their current salary, but, you know, they ask for a range. And this person asked for a, a really low range because it was higher than what they were making because they just didn't do their research. And consequently, right. the employer thought that they were just underqualified. Yeah, that, there's that too. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it, it's a good thing that people are, that, 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 you know, the laws are being passed that you can't ask about past numbers, but that's the thing. The thing is the, the, the laws can only protect somebody, you know, so much we're still responsible for knowing what we should be asking for. You know, yeah, we're yeah. still, you know, having these laws passed does not relieve candidates of having, you know, of knowing how to negotiate. Yeah. You know, and, and I say this as somebody who, you know, comes from, you know, a blue collar background and I didn't know how to negotiate. I thought like you just showed up to work, you took what they gave you and, you know, you were grateful for the job and, yeah. you know, and you worked overtime if you wanted more. And, 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 you know, and I, and so I had to learn, you know, that you had to ask and, and you know, shaking in my boots sometimes, in my heels, right. Sometimes. So um, it's, 
and didn't get it always either, you know? Um, so we have to take responsibility for learning how to negotiate and advocating for ourselves. And then if we're running a team, we really have to advocate for, you know, the, the equity amongst all people, even if they're not necessarily asking, making sure that they know how to ask or they should be asking. And yeah, yeah. because when that stuff gets discovered in the lunchroom, you know, and I know there's, it's a virtual lunchroom nowadays, but it, it's, it's demoralizing. So, you know, let's just head it off at the pass, but that doesn't mean, but you can have a manager that sees the right things and, and wants it, you know, equal pay for equal work. You can have laws passed. Um, all that is good, but none of it relieves individuals of having to learn how to advocate for themselves. And that's, you know, what I think we all have to do. Absolutely. And, you know, they have to, um, you know, navigate their own career and, and be responsible right. for that as well. You know, it's not, it's not on the employer, you know, to train you and, and it's, it's, um, a lot of a lot of employers do. A lot of them have, you know, in-house training. They pay for professional development right. and and whatever. And if you can take advantage of that, it's it's great. But you know, you need to. Um, you you can't rely on the employer. I know. You know, my dad worked at the same company his entire life. Same thing, blue collar yeah. worker. Right. And you know, things. I mean, I know that was a, a while ago, but. Even today, the the idea of having being with your employer, who's kind of like your parent taking care of you, it's just not like that any, anymore. Particularly no. if you're moving more towards this kind of gig economy. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I come from you know a family of teachers and government workers. Like you know, you didn't you didn't really negotiate. You know, there's brackets and you, you know, time and education merits like got you your raises. It wasn't necessarily like because you negotiated. So it was a learning process, but, um, you know, start with the research. Um, if you get a good offer, just say thank you and reinforce their excitement. Um, if, and if you don't, and it, you know, it's not always about the money sometimes too. Like you might be able to negotiate time off. You might be able to negotiate better benefit packages. You might be able to negotiate, you know, tuition reimbursement if that's important. You may be able to, um, negotiate certain transportation perks or work from home perks or equipment at home that isn't part of the normal, you know, um, situation. And, and, and so, you know, there's so many different ways to make sure that that's, you know, worthwhile, right? Gym memberships or, you know, things like that, that when you start adding up all those perks, yeah, you know, it's thousand dollars, you know, to your, you know, income, if you were paying for it and if you were, you know, paid the money and having to pay for the perk. So, you know, there's often different ways of, of doing things. So, um, but I, I think that the key is to start out with the research and know when it's right to ask. And then, you know, in terms of how to ask, it's less about, you know, it's not an I deserve it thing, right? It's it's really like, here's the stats, here's what I'm going to do, and here's the ROI, you know, for what I'm asking for. Yeah. And so yeah. based on what you need me to do, this is going to make the company X, or this is, you know, a time saver of X, you know, if you're in more operations or that sort of thing, then, then you're looking at what you're asking for is going to bring a savings or a revenue generation or, um, you know, a a labor efficiency in some way or, you know, whatever it is, right, that you're being brought on to do, there's value in that. And then you have to tie what you're asking for to be associated with the value of bringing somebody like on you, like you on board. No, I, I, I agree with you. And it, you know, um, it has to be about kind of the employer, even if you're looking, uh, it can't be because, you know, I have a mortgage now, so, you know, I need right. to make more money. <laughs> right. um, and even, even if you're, if you're looking for something like flex time or, you know, working one day a week at home, That's um, another thing. Yeah. I talked to a, a friend, I don't know, not that long ago who was trying to ne negotiate, you know, just working from home that actually she moved farther away from the, from the office and had been loosely working from home and a new manager came in and, you know, was kind of maybe back to the office. Right. And I, I recommended her strategy be to position it as how it would be better for the employer. Yep. If she was able to work at, at home and she went in with that situation and, 
and did get that, um, you know, perk really. Yeah. And I, I mean, when you, I mean, I think that's actually, I mean, not to segue into something else, but like, that's a huge topic now is, you know, with everyone, with companies reopening and, and people talking, companies talking about going back to the office, you know, everyone is who's working from home and wants to stay home has a, a leverage point now. It's been working, you know, yeah. Assuming, yeah. assuming it has been working for them, right? I can't assume it's worked for everybody, but assuming it's working, you now have a leverage point that might be worth, you know, exploiting and i don't say that to be negative you know you don't use that word exploit to be negative but you know this is your leverage point you know yeah. um and and you're certainly not going to hold your employer hostage by any means but but you know you have your proof of it works yeah and maybe you know you propose that you're going to the office like once every three weeks or you can you know share space with somebody or um you know and how it's a reduction in you know real estate costs or they can take out less of a you know, smaller lease or, you know, share space or, you know, and, and you're still showing how the revenue hasn't been affected by the work arrangement. I mean, it may be affected by just demand or something pandemic related, obviously, but when you show that the efficiencies are exist and the cost savings of not as many people being in the office, in addition to there still being safety concerns with so many people going back to an office, it, it, people have leverage now yeah. to, to create a situation where they can have an ongoing work from home or flex time scenario. And I think companies are really open to it right now. You know, they want to keep people happy. Um, they want, you know, they realize people still have demands that, that are beyond norm, normal, you know, with, with, uh, you know, at home school or caring for elderly parents or, you know, whatever the case may be. So there, there's a need and they don't want to lose quality people because somebody can't come into work until 10 o'clock you know, right. or, or they have to be home by X or so, you know, now is the time to capitalize on that, you know, as best as somebody can and, and as diplomatically as you can. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and every study I read says that people that work from home work more hours anyway. I mean, it's, right? Right. <laughs> you know, so no, I'm glad that you did move into that. Move into that. I, I it's it certainly is true. Um, you know, if if things are running smoothly, I'm I'm curious to see how things are going to shake out it going forward with um, people. Uh, just moving to that where, as you were saying, you know, you can have um, someone come in, you know, two days a week and work at the desk and somebody else can work at that same desk a different two days a week and, you know, to, to cut down on the office space for the employer. So, you know, one tactic that we would use with clients, even before, you know, the pandemic took place, we would, we would help people try to negotiate part-time situations at home or things like that is, is give the, the employer an opportunity to evaluate things in a certain period of time. You know, like I think everybody's, you know, even, even before 2020, and it's even more so now, like everybody's afraid of the word forever, right? So like, you yeah. know, or, or permanency, right? So if you say like, based on this working now, you know, or I'm going to propose we do this, and, you know, pre prior to 2020 would say, I'm going to propose we do this and let's evaluate it in three months, you know, um, but you have to obviously be open to them saying no. Right. But but at least it allows it to be, you know, tried. Right. And and even now, if there's a resistance, um, you can say, like, you know, I see your need for needing us to be back in the office. I'm hoping you can see my need for the remote work arrangement. How about we try this? And, you know, let's, let's reevaluate it in three months or six months or whatever, you know, timeframe culturally, your firm type tends to need to try things out. But if like, there's a, a flexibility vibe that's given, yeah. you know, then people are less likely, you know, companies don't want to be in a situation of taking something away from someone, you know, even if it's not initiated by them. Right. But they need the opportunity to say, you know, Joe, this isn't working for us, right? So you have to, you know, I think that's a way to come across like you're a business partner, right? Comes back to the interview, right? Like you're the meeting of equals. And so you're trying to come up with a way to make it work for both parties. And I think when you propose it that way, then it would be a little bit more. 
and nine times out of ten, you're going to know that it worked anyway, especially if it has been working, and it'll probably be fine, you know. No, I I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, the, there's so many things, and and a lot of it, as you mentioned, is being diplomatic. You know, going yeah. about it in the right way, having having your stats, if you talk about, you know, things that you've done, whether you're negotiating a salary or negotiating a raise and right. um, say, and this is, this is why, you know, I, I think I deserve that, or maybe I just deserve that right. um, because of X, Y, and Z that I've, I've done, I've accomplished. And I'm, you know, kind of. You, you, bring, up an ex- you bring up an excellent point though, is, you know, when you give the range, right, like you mentioned earlier, I think a mistake a lot of people make is because they don't want to lose it, they give a low number that they're actually truly not happy with. Yeah. And then when they're offered that number, they're like, damn, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) that didn't work out so well. So like you really have to, you know, that one of those like um, classic negotiation tactic type of things is, um, you know, be, be willing to walk away. Well, being willing to walk away is putting forth a number that you are going to be happy with at the bottom if you get it, which means if it's lower than that, you will walk away. And yeah. I think a lot of people make that mistake and, and it's, and then they get, they get the offer within the range. And when then they're trying to negotiate from an offer, they said that they would take. Yeah doesn't leave a great impression either. So you really have to be firm with your boundaries. You have to truly say if it is, you know, if you're 125,000 and if it's 124, I'm walking away, you know, then, you know, and that might be dramatic, but no, you're going to be miserable. At one, then you got to walk away. Otherwise yeah. you're not taking responsibility yeah. for your happiness. Right. So, right. Um, so and, yeah, you know, there, there are times I've been there myself. I'm sure you've probably been there yourself where, you know, you really need the job and you really have to take the job, even if it's yeah. not exactly the salary you want or whatever. We, you know, I don't want to diminish anybody who's just needs to take a job. Of course. No, no. But, but having said that, you know, I, I think it's important people, you know, they jump at a job without thinking enough um, about the the whole package and the package being, you know, maybe it's the commute time, maybe it's the days off or the vacation time, maybe it's the flex schedule, the benefits, whether they have, you know, tuition reimbursement or not. And um, I, I think one of the mistakes people make is they don't really think about, I've done that myself. They don't really think about the criteria that's most important to them when they're looking right, for a right. job and they may take, if they, if they're lucky enough to get two offers, they may just look at the right. salary and, and not, you know, the, the real, the, the differences between the, the positions and what they're really getting. The, the other, and, and quality of life is also something that can factor into maybe taking lower than you thought, right. Or maybe that you would take the 124, yeah, yeah. right. Or like, and again, I agree with you not to diminish anyone that has to take the job, like, but that's, that's, uh, you know, a quality of life factor, right? So maybe you go, okay, the, the, the difference, you know, taking something lower than I expected is that I don't have to stress about, I can get paid to look for a job while I work. You know, I can at least look for a job in my office. Right? And I'm getting paid to look for a job. Um, you know, if you make up, if you end up making concessions, I think it's really important this may sound a little woo-woo, but like, I think it's really important to write like a gratitude list as to why you are grateful for the job in its imperfect form, right? Because no Mm -hmm. job is perfect. I love that. I mean, I remember the the job that I had before I started Chameleon. I mean, you know, they may see this one day, uh, but it's no secret. I hated that job. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and, but, you know, I was a single income of, you know, my dad, my husband was a stay-at-home dad and we had two little kids. And I would say to the, I would say to myself, like, you know, this allows me to, you know, provide for my family. This allows me to, um, you know, yes, I'm looking for a job and I'm still doing my job. Right. But I'm like, mm-hmm. at least I get to look for a job while I'm working versus looking for a job, not working. And, you know, so I would find ways 
you know, to, to, to be grateful for the job. So then I wasn't miserable. And frankly, then when you're not as miserable, you actually interview better. Right. But, um, but the other thing too, is eventually from that job, I was laid off and that was a blessing in disguise. And, um, I found being, you know, at the time, you know, I was working in New York city and then I was, I was working from home. Um, well, I wasn't working from home. I was home. <laughs> so, um, um, I, you know, when I wasn't commuting, wasn't needing to get dry cleaning, you know, wasn't like so stressed out that I was like, you know, my I had to walk to my office um, and we walked, part of that was walking into midtown Manhattan. So, you know, walking past these stores and going, I need that purse. I'm so stressed out. I deserve it. Oh, yeah. And you oh, yeah. The, I deserve it purchases and treating yourself to lunch because you're stressed out. And you know, um, the happy hours and, you know, and I know we're in COVID, but like, obviously all that will change. And believe me, we're all doing retail shopping when we're stressed out at home. So it's all the same, right? <laughs> um, I mean, the Amazon boxes are packing up, right? But like, yeah. when you start, when you, when you leave a job that isn't, when you leave a job to go to something else that isn't as stressful, even if it's less money, when you add up what you spent facilitating your stress, a lot of times you just yourself raised, you know, um, or you didn't really take as big a pay cut as you thought you took because you're not spending all this crap that you didn't need. Right. So no, I, um, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I gave um, myself a big raise when I got laid off because I wasn't spending on all this stuff. I, I didn't know. need. <laughs> you know, you know be, before we move on to another topic, I, I, I hear you, you know, I had the, the last job that I had before I was, you know, full-time in my own business. I hated that job so much. I hate, yeah. and I gained like more than 10 pounds because I would go across the street to the, the wedge in and I'd be eating, you know, Reuben sandwiches <laughs> for lunch and, and all that stuff because it made me feel better because I hated my job yeah. so much. So, you know, it, it's right. and there's health consequences too, yeah. which is a whole yeah. other, so, you know, expense bracket. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, LinkedIn mistakes. And Ooh, you know, right. so why don't you, why don't you start off with that? What, you know, whatever you want um, to go with. You know, I don't know. I always tend to, think a little differently with LinkedIn um, than I think a lot of people. I I tend to, and I know this isn't going to necessarily be favorable advice, but I tend to not follow or, or care, it's probably not the right word, but that's what's coming to mind, about all sometimes the new things. You know, like I get immediate, like a little bit of excitement in the beginning just to see what it is, but I really go back to always the same type of functions that I use on LinkedIn, which is really just to reach out to people and talk to them offline, you know, use it as like a massive networking event, you know, whether I stumble upon somebody or I deliberately go look for somebody and then try to take the conversation offline and, and, and nurture it and talk to them. And I have never stopped doing that from the day that I came onto this. And you know, there's been, you know, groups and, and groups are great. You know, I know they there's uh, different schools of thought of how they've transpired over the years, but, you know, there's groups, there's videos, there's LinkedIn Live, there's all these sorts of things. There's all types of features and new things, and you can put this on the profile and you can do all this stuff. And believe me, it's all typically good, right? Very infrequently is something like, hmm, that was a fail. So it's all good. But I feel like a lot of times it just distracts from the one thing that I think is the most powerful for job seekers. And that is truly just finding people, reaching out and starting a conversation offline. You know, like even if you comment, yeah. how many times do you talk to somebody offline? You know, and, and I mean, you know, cause I'll have clients senior, like heavy hitter executives and they're just like, you know, LinkedIn's not working for me. And I'm like, all right, but you got over 500 connections. You know, I can't really see behind your curtain there. How many do you really have? They're like, well, I have like you know, 4,000 people. I'm like, how many of those people have you actually spoken to in the last year? You know, and when they say like, I don't have anybody, I don't have a network. My first question usually is, well, of all your LinkedIn connections, even if you only have 200, how many of them have you spoken to in the last year? Start there. You know, and all of this, these, these features and new things, which again, all good stuff, but it typically just distracts us 
from what is the core thing, and that's just talking to people. And I feel like that's where most people, when they actually do it, get most of their traction. So no, that's more I, of a best practice than a mistake, but that's to me. No, I, I, I think I think the um, the people, the, the mistake that a lot of people make is they kind of, you know, set the profile and forget it. Um, yes. Even, you know, if they have it professionally written and they, they may have a really strong profile, but you know, they, they don't do anything on LinkedIn. They're not really active on LinkedIn. So, you know, or they subscribe to the field of dreams mentality, like build it and they will come. It's like, yeah. no, you got to work it. <laughs> you got to yeah. work it. <laughs> I, yeah, I see that. And, um, you know, I, one of the things I, I think is something I've recently learned from, from other people to look at LinkedIn is, yeah, it, you know, it's a big database, but it's also kind of like a big water cooler um, where you yeah. can talk to people. And, you know, I have actually met people myself and I don't know why, you know, job seekers could certainly do this also is, you know, you follow people you're, that you're interested in, you'd like to get in touch with, you comment on some of their posts. And that way, when you go to connect with them, you know, you, you have a little something going there. It's not, right. you know, so much of a cold introduction. And, you know, if you, if you do reach out to connect with them, even, you know, to, you can message them and engage with them. You can say, Oh, you know, I read your post on blah, 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 or I've been following you and I really find this or that, whatever engaging. And I'd like to connect with you rather than just, um, you know, sending a, a connection request. And yeah. but I think, I think also like, not everyone is going to, everyone on LinkedIn isn't working it, right? I mean, because yeah. they're working, right? A lot of times they're working. And so, um, you know, we're doing it, you know, it's business. Um, I mean, it's fun, right? Like, I mean, we make it fun. Um, but it's also like marketing from an entrepreneurial standpoint. But I think a lot of times that people are, I mean, unless they're in the business of marketing, you know, or they're in a marketing position, you know, CFOs aren't necessarily like, yeah you know, financial controllers aren't necessarily like, you know, putting it all out there on, on, on That's social true. media channels. So like yeah, yeah. you, it depends, it comes down to like, what's the strategy? Like, what are you, who are you trying to reach? Where are you going to find them? And of course, if this venue is how you're going to find who you need to find, by all means, do it and do it well and learn how to do it if you don't know how to do it. But I mean, if you are, you know, looking for, you know, a financial leadership role, or if you're looking for a retail position, you know, middle level management, like it's not necessarily going to be in some of these social online venues. Mm -hmm. um, it may be you use the information you find online mm -hmm. and then try to reach out to somebody directly, you know, in various different ways. But um, it's just, I think sometimes we can, the mistake is that we can get caught up in all the bells and whistles that these features and different platforms have but we have to look at why are we doing it? Yeah. You know, are we doing it just for the activity? I mean, if we're doing it because we're fun and need socialization, that's sometimes all we need. And that is a legitimate thing, especially nowadays. Right. But if we're mistaking the busyness for results and then we don't get the results, that's when we start to like, you know, get frustrated because you're like, I'm doing all this work, but it's not resulting into an interview. It's like, well, are you in the right place doing, are you doing the right things to get the interview? Yeah. No, no, I, I, I hear you. And, and yes, you know, I certainly, you know, we certainly approach it differently than, you know, than a job seeker. Right, um, right. But I think there is some value in looking at your connections and your second degree connections and seeing you know, where people work, if they are working at your target companies to, Absolutely. to, to use it, you know, in that way, um, and then maybe be strategic about reaching out to people to hopefully connect you with someone. And then as soon as you're connected, not say, oh, can you please help me find a job? Or, right, right. you know, <laughs> have, have a little something there. But right. just just um, because I, I was uh, actually on Clubhouse earlier today, and people were talking about, you know, those isms, and people don't want to put a photo up because of ageism, uh, discrimination, or some kind of discrimination. And, you know, while, you know, it's all illegal, but, you know, it, it's still out there. Um, right, right. And, you know, it's uh, difficult to prove. But I, I know that I've spoken to people who are leery to put, you know, a photo on LinkedIn because, oh, you know, people think I'm old or young or, you know, right, right. whatever. Um but but that's such a, a problem, uh, you know, if they don't 
um, if they don't put up a photo or and put up a photo that actually looks like you, not you know from 20 years ago. So if somebody meets you, they don't recognize you. Um, so what other things you know, like that can, can people like that people don't do that they should be doing, you know, on LinkedIn? It's it's always hard, right? It's hard, you know, I mean to to put yourself in other people's shoes, right? Or or even pretend, right? I only have the perspective of, you know, a white woman. So, um Yeah. You know, it's uh, so I respect all of those positions. I I try to show people the statistics, right? Um, the statistics show that profiles are more viewed when there's a photo, you know, or so it's information and somebody can make their decision, right? Um, you know, I, you know, was in the restaurant business before I got into recruiting. And when I started recruiting, it was in a, you know, Wall Street office and there was, you know, few women and majority of men and, you know, all the, the, the Wall Street, New York -y stuff. And, and while, you know, it, there was, that's the only, you know, that's the experience I have of knowing of like, you have to work twice as hard to get half the amount of respect. Right. And, and that's, that's the only place I can pull it from. And the, you know, the advice that I can give is I always felt, you know, when I showed up, they were going to figure out as a woman anyway. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. Right. You think, <laughs> um, and I don't mean that in any negative, you know, diminishing light. And so, you know, people have to do what they have to do to protect their hearts and their souls. And, you know, with that being said, if they feel protected, then these are the stats for you to advance your search. And they're going to, you know, and, and, and while you said, like you said, it's illegal, it's not right. You know, frankly, if a place is going to have a hard time with me being a competent woman, you know, I really don't want to be there in all honesty. Now, sometimes people don't have that luxury of making that choice. So, you know, but I think not putting a picture isn't going to, they're going to, you know, if, if, if they're discriminating, they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. You know, and then that's a whole nother discussion that I'm not completely qualified to handle in terms of right. How to handle that. Right. right yeah. But I figure be your best self and attract the people who want you exactly as you are, instead of hiding to avoid the people who probably won't want to hire you anyway. So, you know, it, it's, I view it, it's like marketing for business, right? It's like market the people who market to the people who will say yes to you. Don't market to avoid the people who say no to you. And yeah. I think if, if a job search can be done in that way, you know, you want to attract who is going to appreciate you for exactly who you are. So do that amplified, like screw them, you know, and do that extremely well. And with your heart being protected first and foremost, you know, I can't say that so cavalierly when there's been a lot of emotional, you know, trauma over, over, you know, centuries. So um, I don't say that in any cavalier way, but that's what I try to advise if somebody's in the right place to receive it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You know, you still have to be you. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of what you said, you know, to be your best self, to put your right. best self out there um, and and then go with that. Because I, I agree with you. If, you know, if a business is going to not want you because you're, you know, a woman or you're too young or they think you're too old or, you know, anything like that you know, they're, they're going to meet you anyway. And, and, you know, it's not like you can really hide if you're, if you're you know, going to be having an interview. So um, the other thing too, is I just, I try to the best of my ability to convey, you know, in absence of information, try not to fill in the blanks, you know, and, and definitely try not to fill in the blanks with negative information that you do not have proof exists yet. You know, even if you're normally used to a pattern, right. If, in this situation, you don't know if that's exactly happening. Don't fill in the blanks because, you know, and again, I don't mean this in any insensitive way. It's like, you know, you know, people who doesn't think it's racism, people who are experiencing sexism thinks it's sexism. Um, you know, older people thinks it's ageism. Younger people think they're not getting a shot because they're too young. 
um, you know, and the and uh, many other minority categories think they're getting, you know, for religious reasons, other racial categories, they think they're not getting considered because of who they are. And then the 35-year-old white male thinks they're getting screwed over because of diversity, right? So like everybody mm -hmm. has their weight, you know, we're not mm -hmm. gonna have a contest of who's got the biggest weight, but everybody in their mind has their thing that they have no control over that is weighing them down. Yeah. And, and in many cases it is real, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes people perceive it to be there and the evidence isn't totally there yet. And all you're doing is hurting yourself. Yeah. Now that is an, a hard thing to balance, right? Um, especially since some of that projection comes from trauma. But, but you know, don't assume it's there until you see it. You know, um, to the best ability, it's perfect, right? But because again, it comes back to being your best self, so you can attract who wants you. Which in many I, cases, it's I, many. I, I agree with you 100%. And, um, you know, you, you can't think that whatever, you know, that's the reason. That's always the reason. Right. And um, before I ask you to, you know, give your last piece of whatever you'd like to say, I, I love to tell the story of a woman I worked with when I was a recruiter. And she, um, she was a woman in her 60s. I didn't ask her. She just told me that she was. And... Uh, I was recruiting at that time in the digital marketing space, which is a young industry. It's a young right. industry. Um, right. But her, her photo was vibrant on LinkedIn. Her personality was engaging. And right. you know what? I, although I didn't place her, she was one of the top candidates that I submitted. She's one of the top candidates for that job. And she got hired, you know, quickly afterwards. And it was, you know, it was her attitude. Her attitude yeah. going in was not, well, they're probably going to discriminate against me, you know, and and the attitude makes I, I think a big, a big difference. You mentioned something earlier about being negative and and things like that while you're job searching and you know, the attitude, um, having that yeah, positive it comes it comes back to, you know, controlling what you can control. And if there's things about your pres uh, about your skill set. That you're presenting that are dated and you're not getting hired that's not ageism right that's a skill set that's not updated you know so a lot of times what gets labeled and this isn't the case for other isms but at least with ageism a lot of times what gets labeled as ageism is you know it's it's thankfully stuff people can fix you know it's it's updating a skill set it's you know having a presentation, a resume that isn't from seven years ago, or it's just tasks, you know, like, I, you know, or, um, or, you know, saying, let me fax your resume in, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> in theory, it's fixable. These are fixable things, right? Um, it's, it's saying, it's not saying I don't know how to use Zoom, right? Like things like that. So um, that's a skill set. And if you focus on what you can control, at least, I think, combined with a collaborative solutions minded type of attitude, you're going to get past a lot of what gets labeled as an ageism, you know, point, because it's really about being not outdated, right? It's about being current. It's about being yeah, relevant. Yeah. And so thankfully we can fix that, right? I can't fix how old I am, you know, but, uh, but I can at least try to come across that, you know, I'm relevant and my skill set is, is what's going on today. So. Oh, I, I think that relevant, relevant and, you know, sort of savvy to, to what's going on and, and using yeah. um, tools. Uh, I, I think you're I agree with you that a lot of times it's just um, and I think and, that and can a willingness to learn. Right. I mean, it's a willingness to learn. Like, you know, two of us had no idea how to use this thing today. Right. I know. Yeah, we're, we're I, trying and it's a willingness to learn. It's a humility to make mistakes and you just keep moving forward, you know, and I think that is at any age because I see even, you know, young adults coming out of college and they're petrified to make a mistake because they don't want somebody to think they don't know what they're doing. And they also are then sometimes labeled unwilling to learn, not because they don't want to learn. It's because like every other age category, they don't want to be viewed as being incompetent. You know, and so it's a willingness to just go, I have no idea what I'm doing with this. Let's figure it out, you know, and I think that 
can make someone come across ageless when they do that, because that is a common fear amongst every generation. You know, but when we make that mistake of not being willing to learn, you know, then we get, oh, they're too young, they're too old, they're too this, they're too, you know, they're too fixed in their ways, or you know, they're too stubborn. It's like, no, we're just all scared to death and we just want to get along, you know. So Yeah, that that sure is true. Well, I, I think that we've just gone a little bit over our time together. I'm so glad that we Oh we did. Yes, we did. Oh my goodness. Such a and joy. This flew by. It was so much fun. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we just say goodbye? No, I, I think, you know, everybody's just got to keep focusing on the good news. Focus on the yes. Just keep going until you get the yes. Don't focus yep. on the no. It only takes, on it only takes one right job, right? Of all job, the places it. out there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. Thank it's you my for asking me. What a treat yeah. for me. So, okay. Well, thank you very much, everyone who's watching. Um, and we'll be watching on replay. It was our pleasure to sit here and chat and have a good time today. So, um, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Smarter Career Moves podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And also, if you're on Clubhouse, follow the Smarter Career Moves Club. Thank you.